Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Lee Cantor here with Roz Lewis, another episode of GWBC Radio. Roz, you have put together quite a crew today. But before we get too far into things, let's recap a little bit for the folks who weren't at the pop event. What an exciting event. Right? Right. And more importantly, for the first time, we were broadcasting live. That's right. From this event with Business Mm -hmm. Radio X. Mm -hmm. So it was so much fun. Um, I know you all were exhausted because you had a long what, day for us. 18 <laughs> interviews right. with our women businesses and corporate members and attendees that were attending there. We have heard great things about one, people love being on the radio. <laughs> We've established that. <laughs> but more importantly, the impact that that event had for all the members, we were just overwhelmed by the amount of folks that came through uh, our studio there, our kind of mobile studio, and told us how important GWBC was to them and their business and the impact it's made for them, for their community. It was really an inspiring event. Yeah, I think, you know, always what we try to do is engage our women businesses, giving them opportunity to meet with other corporate members and also support other women businesses as well. And while they're in that networking environment, that they also walk away with a couple of nuggets mm-hmm. of information that's going to help them grow their business. So we had several workshops as we did our radio show, the previous radio show on cash flow. Well, we had that as well, along with wealth. Um, how to grow your business through entrepreneurship or how to grow wealth through entrepreneurship, you know, were some of the workshops that we had and that keynote speaker. Oh, on, she rocked oh it. I love that. And I've seen a lot of keynote speakers in my time. She was fantastic. Yes. Well, you know, you always try to get some people engaged, especially after lunch, right? <laughs> right. You know, so people don't go to sleep. Mm-hmm. But she was. She was active, engaging. So if you thought you were coming to an event where you were going to be just a audience participant, no. She got you engaged into understanding how do you receive the apology, you know, get the apology you right. never received, right? Or accept the apology that you never received. So Yeah, it was a, a great life lesson. Yes. And today's show will be no different. There'll be a lot of education and inspiration happening here today. Um, who'd you bring with you? Uh, this morning we brought um, Kat Marin, who's Vice President, Diverse Customer Segments at UPS, and Deborah Wilson. She's the Director of Marketing Diverse Customer Segments for UPS. And we're going to be talking a little bit about exporting, right, about the export business, because um, we do have an event coming up. On the 18th of October, um, women and exporting. And what better company to give us information about that than UPS? Yeah, they might know a thing or two. <laughs> Just a thing or two. <laughs> so um, who wants to kick it off? Do so you want to talk about uh, your roles at Diverse Customer Segment? Sure. Uh, good morning, everybody. Kat? This is this is Kat Marin from UPS. Roz, it's great mm-hmm. to see you again this morning. Mm-hmm. Roz and I also share um 
responsibility. Mm-hmm. I'm on the board of the GWBC, so I get two hats today, oh, which wow. is fun. So I kind of feel like a an entrepreneur too, who has to wear multiple <laughs> hats. I've got multiple on today, but my normal day job is one that supports women-owned businesses and diverse-owned businesses across the globe. And our objective is to find the solutions that make the most sense to help those businesses grow faster. And as they grow faster, the economics get better for the communities, which means, again, in a for-profit world, which is what I think many of us are are, are looking to um, to improve upon, we actually see, you know, a, an uplift in employees. We see an uplift in brand management. We see an uplift in growth for everybody. So we're really excited about this segment that we own and that we learn from every single day by being on conference calls by being in conferences by talking to people like Roz and all the other weebies that we have out there um, it's an exciting dynamic space of innovation and I'm very happy to have this role now how did you get involved with the GWBC it's a long-standing relationship that UPS has had actually with the GWBC and Roz in particular um, I'm not sure I've got all the years but I think 20 plus if I'm not mistaken oh, wow. yeah we were, were one of the, on 20 years. we were one of the founding companies to help GWBC kind of start its mission. Um, we did that through our supplier diversity program in particular. So how do we as a, as a good standing corporate partner find innovation and business opportunities that exist out there in diverse owned and women owned businesses that can be our suppliers. So they help us to be successful every single day. Um, and we believe that we help them be successful. And that happened through GWBC to a large extent. Yes. And I, you know, I want to thank UPS for taking that. Um, opportunity to support our organization and its growth. So it was, it was wonderful. It's been a great uh, relationship and experience and they're still here. Still with us. 20, 20 years later. <laughs> and yes. we still put people on these radio programs to yes. support. They keep showing up. <laughs> yes. So now, um, when you look at the business opportunities globally, how is that, how do you even kind of wrap your arms around that? That seems so large. It is huge. Uh, again, as UPS is pretty large, we, we do service 220 countries around the world. We do have solutions that fit any market that's needed. But in recent years, there has certainly been an uptick in what societies, what cultures, and what governments to some extent want to do to help diverse communities strengthen their ability to grow and to create more business opportunities and therefore stabilize the market. So when we look at it globally, there is a very vast difference on what diversity means around like, the globe. Like culturally in the different yes, countries? exactly. So we don't want to be presumptive in that. We mm-hmm. don't dictate what that is. We work within what's defined by the communities and what the governments have started to support. And we try to align with that to, to offer things that cultivate what the, what the culture is and what the governments are kind of putting out. Which means for the most part right now, the best place to do that is women-owned businesses globally. They are on the rise in tremendous numbers. Um, and so we have launched many programs outside of the U.S. as well as inside the U.S. to support women exporters in particular. Um, because we firmly believe that if you can extend an opportunity to grow your business outside of your own community, you actually can grow far faster. We've seen stats that show that. So um, – we focus on women outside of the U.S. to a large extent. In the U.S., we have a much larger diverse program as well on top of what we do for women-owned businesses. Align with some of the other corporations, too, like Coca-Cola, you know, has a 5 by 20 um, initiative program, meaning 5 million women businesses by the year 2020. Um, and so they're pretty much on track to achieving that. 
but it's it's a great marketing um I think initiative as well of how you increase your market and so you know the question I have is is UPS working you know with some of those customers corporate customers as well you know to kind of build that uh and align with it because I always say it's good to partner at times in order to create that community of growth for women businesses. So you're talking about does UPS align with other large enterprises? So um, we do. We have a few big ones that uh, I'll, I'll move to both corporate and government, but let's start with, again, we have strong relationships with USAID. We signed a pretty large agreement with the U.S. government um, earlier in this year to help fund a lot of um, infrastructure changes in global markets to help women businesses in particular. We do that through an organization called She Trades as well, which is part of um, part of the um, UN and, and how it reaches out to developing markets. In broader sense, from a com- uh, corporation perspective, we are closely aligned with organizations such as We Connect as well. So We Connect helps women-owned businesses in particular to find alternatives, to find support outside of the U.S. So whether it's the legal needs when you expand and export or or you're trying to build infrastructure to resources and labor um, to marketing support in different languages that you might need if you're starting to explore in different countries. So we have connected with both the facilitators, with the government regulators, if you will, um, and we advocate on behalf of those things. We also are are connected with other large companies like Delta, like um, BP and some others that are doing supplier diversity efforts outside of the U.S. So we can all learn from each other in a way that brings up all organizations um, in these spaces. Now, when you're working with the other large corporates, is it, are, is it open where you're like, what are you doing here with diversity? Are there some best practices that maybe we're not aware of or we're doing this, this works? Are they open to those kind of conversations? Everybody, it seems my experience in this Diversity and inclusion space is everybody seems to be very open to share what's working and what's not working. Um, we, I won't say we have a formal coalition mm-hmm. of any kind, but we have right. an informal one with fellow board members um, from GWBC and other groups that, that my team circles in. I feel total confidence. If I picked up the phone and said, Hey, what is your company doing in this space and how is it working or what are the challenges internal, sometimes through bureaucracies at big right. companies and then externally, how do you do that? And nobody has refused that call, and everybody has been very open. Deborah, have you felt the same way when you've connected? Oh, absolutely. We're in really good company, and there's a, a lot of collaboration and partnership, you know, among the large corporations, but also in our work that we're doing with the small and medium businesses too. There's there's a there's a partnership and a, and a willingness to learn from one another, which I think is really exciting. Now, do you think that that collaboration is what is kind of allowing this acceleration of more and more female? businesses to grow as rapidly? You think that that's kind of adding fuel to this fire and it's kind of expanding? There is certainly, again, whether you, you know, when you do the psychological studies of of what motivates women, you'll find that a lot of it does kind of come back to collaboration and teamwork and and, and a nurturing of each other and 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 at least a general philosophy of, you know, rising tide rises all boats kind of Mm -hmm. philosophy. And so I think that that is starting the momentum. I think it, it doesn't preclude men from this conversation at all because quite candidly, more men who hear the voices and bring their own to this equation too creates that tide as well. So I won't say it's absolutely exclusive, but I think what I'm starting to see is just the willingness to talk more openly about what drives us, what motivates us, what challenges us. And there's more organizations out there than ever that are stepping in to kind of help feed gaps when we've identified them. 
Now, when you are talking to the small business owner in, let, let's just say we're in America, since we're in America right now, um, is like exporting, is that even on their radar a lot of times? Is this something that, you know, maybe it's, it, do you, uh, you see it every day and you're like, everybody should be exporting. This is obvious <laughs> to us. Like, come on, what are they thinking? But to the person that's in a, in a market, they're just out there battling in their own market. They can't even see going outside their state sometimes, let alone internationally. It can be daunting, right? I mean, thinking about shipping your products outside of the U.S. can be very complicated. Right. I forgot about your your product. What about the money coming back to me? Like, that's a whole other kind of can of worms. Well, yeah. So the commerce, right? Right. The e-commerce of it. Right. Right. Well, Absolutely. When you look at it, I mean, part of the compelling, I think, point about revenue generation for even the smaller businesses is 95% of the world's population exists outside of the U.S., Right. 95% of it. So yeah. as good That's an important perspective that I think we should all <laughs> regain from yeah. time to time. So as well as you might be doing in this market, there's obvious potential outside of the U.S. to, to take advantage of. And the other piece of it is with e-commerce and with just general globalization and information that's so free-flowing, more and more companies, more and more people can find products any place in the world. That wasn't necessarily true 20 years ago. So if you only think about staying in your one physical market – you are limiting yourself and your customers are telling you this. We've got many, we've got many tools. We've got many websites that we help our customers to even just show them how many times they get pinged from somebody else in another country who's curious about their product. How do you actually then take advantage of that and fulfill mm-hmm. that? They're not as complicated as it, it has to be, but just the first recognition, the awareness is where we start is there's plenty of wonderful things to, to do outside of the U.S. and many people want to buy your stuff. So right, and they, everybody and should be exporting them. That's, that's, the, that's the bottom line. But, but where do they start, right? Yeah, so where, are, do, where does a small business start, you know, as far as that expanding, you know, how far, right. you know, should they, you know, extend and what countries, you know, if you think about it, that you consider, I, I would say, safe harbors. Right. Some baby steps. Baby steps. Absolutely. Yeah. So the the first most important thing is to understand your product, right? There's a lot that goes into where you can sell your product, how you can ship your product. Um, fortunately, as complex as all of this is, there are a lot of really great tools and resources to help businesses learn about what it takes, right? Um, you need to think about where you're going to export to. Some people, you know, might be, you know, very adventurous and want to go to all of the countries that they can go to as they expand all of a sudden. Um, sometimes it's good to, to stay in your comfort zone initially, right? Find some countries where we have free trade agreements. You've got 20 countries to choose from. Um, work with company, work with countries where someone in your business can conduct business fluently in, in the language. And someplace where you have some idea about um, business customs and, and just customs in general. These are some of the things to help you get started. I think it's also, as, as indicated, there's some there's some really good web analytic tools out there as well. Um, Simple Web, I think, is just one. That's not, you know, it's one of many. But they will quickly, for your website, just tell you, again, what's happening outside of what you think's happening. And if you see that there is um, an uplift in a country that you hadn't thought about before, then that's your starting point too, is to see mm-hmm. just who's naturally organically coming your way in the first place. Deborah indicated obviously some proactive things that you can look at, but there's also the reactive side too. More people are connecting and seeing what you are putting out there than you may realize. Wow. Well, given that, so you're talking about the product, know your product, but 
do I have to adapt my product, you know, in order for shipping or or to go overseas? Right, like even think, translation, right. you know, language. There's, again, there's lots of, of alternatives to think through. I, I actually put a small plug in here for the U.S. Commercial Services Group, which is a government agency that's sole, sole purpose is to help U.S. businesses figure out what and where they should sell outside of the U.S. So they are here to help you grow your business through opening up new markets. They have tons of information both on products that are viable in other markets, um, things that people want to buy and businesses that need those products that U.S. companies make. But they also will tell you the restrictions on them. So they'll help you figure out what the compliance is in those countries. Um, we have tools as well that can help you figure out some of that as well as the taxes and the duties and things that will be applicable. And there's lots of other consulting organizations. Again, We Connect is another who's right there to help figure out as you step into this, whether you, you put your little toe in there or whether you're ready to actually build out facilities, there's a whole myriad of steps that can happen in between. And I think, Roz, that it might seem overwhelming at first, but know that there's plenty of organizations who will come and help you figure out how to get through some of those. Well, that's always good to know, you know, that you have access, you know, to those resources. I guess, you know, they just go to the website and look, you know, that up. So can you just repeat the name of that organization again um, so that we can, you know, the listening audience will be able to hopefully tap into that resource. And then there's the Department of Economic development that's also mm-hmm. the Department of Commerce, you know, that also because they do trade missions and, and keep in mind businesses, you can always go on trips with them, mm-hmm. you know, to these countries that give Often you, funded by the government, right. so it's not out exactly. of your, your revenue pocket. Right, right. So the organization that we partner with uh, most frequently is the U.S. Commercial Service when we're working with small businesses here in Atlanta. They have a fantastic local office here. But the website that they've put together with Unlimited educational materials and tools. Um, one of my favorite tools is a market diversification tool where you can go in and look at your, your products that you're shipping and it will help you to identify some of the countries where it would be viable for you to expand to. Um, but that website is export.gov and a lot of really fantastic resources for all sizes of businesses. Can you, uh, share a story maybe of a small firm here in town or somebody that you personally dealt with or heard about that has, you know, dipped their toe in and then had some level of success? Wow. You don't have to name names, but just like, oh, they were an apparel company and they did this and they had never done that. There's, there's, there's many again that, that sure. go the exporting side. Some of them had to start first with thinking about just, the basic nature of fulfillment. So I've got an example of a, it's a New York based company who creates flip flops. Um, okay. And they were challenged with thinking. Not high tech. This is not high tech. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't, always, be anything, have, right? doesn't always have to, they're cool flip flops. Right. They're, you know? they're really nice. They're really nice flip flops. <laughs> but it doesn't have to Are be overly. <laughs> <laughs> and they're sustainable as well right. as actually they're, 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 they're good. They're good um, stewards of the community mm-hmm. as well. So we were proud to, to work with them and solve mm-hmm. Not only how they wanted to fulfill here because they were starting to get orders that were coming in fast and furious and they had, you know, almost moved from the quintessential in their garage and they were ready to start expanding. So we helped them to figure out how they were going to fulfill in general and how they were going to get to more marketplaces to do that. So some of our products, you know, something we call UPS e-fulfillment gets you 21 marketplaces in one fell swoop and it allowed them to boost their sales. Well, when the sales boosted, then they had to fulfill and they didn't want to have to put capital up. 
And so they didn't want to have to find warehouses around the country. Again, this is what our e-fulfillment does. It, it allows, if they're ready to have the UPS environment, store it in the warehouses across our country and pick and pack it and get faster time in transit and lets the flip-flop company focus on flip-flops as right. opposed to supply chain. Leave the supply chain to some degree to those of us who can work it better in different ways. So as they were continuing to grow in the U.S., they caught the eye of international people as well who want these lovely flip-flops. And so then they had that added challenge of where do we go next? How do we do that? So we have, again, information tools. Um, we have contacts through the U.S. Commercial Services Group, and we connect, and we put them in contact with how to find those right markets and for them to grow faster by getting into them. And then we help them fulfill it so they didn't have to put the capital into the countries they wanted to fulfill. I believe they started first in they actually they started I think in a few Asian markets. I think the Chinese were actually looking at there, which is not necessarily always the norm. Sometimes you start in language. Mm-hmm. Um, in so language often, means like you're selling to people that speak the same language. Yeah, if your website is in English, oftentimes you'll find it easier for other people around the country, right. around the globe, to to find you first in English. Um, so you see it uptick. Obviously, Canadian buyers in UK and Australia, right. etc. But that doesn't preclude the rest of the world who clearly also studies English and can sure. figure out a website what a flip-flop looks <laughs> right, like. So, exactly. so they were getting pinged by other countries a lot. And, and they that's w- where the analytics, where you can start saying, wow, there's a lot of people in you know, Japan that seems to be at least going to our website. Correct. So how do we want to do that? Right. How, how on earth do I then do this? So with some tools that we've got that allow them, allowed them to figure out how to, um, predict what was going to be the duty and tax so that their consumer would have the information up front. We helped them to revise their website. So although it may not have been in every language around the globe, it at least took into account the internationalization of the duty and tax, of the exchange rates, et cetera, so that it made it so far, so much easier for them to communicate what they needed to to their buyers. Um, so they've seen an uptick, obviously, in their international growth. They're very happy with both their business and, and quite honestly, they're happy with the relationship they have with us. So just just one example for but sure. But that's where UPS is really partnering with them. Like they didn't have to hire a supply chain guru. They just called UPS and somebody, a human being, helped. Kind a of human being can help you can, <laughs> if you're not ready for the human being and the intensity right. that we bring sometimes. We actually have on, on UPS.com, there's a knowledge center that we have as well. And if you're a small business or in whatever industry, there's both articles and things that we put out that help give better guidance on what, you know, fulfillment means, what it doesn't mean, what marketplaces are, what they aren't, how they help you, how you need to watch. And then at the same time, there's places where you can say, and I need help. So if you put your information in, then we can set up either a fifteen, a free 15-minute consultation with somebody who can help you with whatever is your solution you're looking for. Because you don't know what you don't know. Correct. Like, Just like this come is ask the questions. Ter- right. But wow. it also saves them if you think about it. Right. You know, they're not paying, you know, they, they're not having to worry about, you know, funding a warehouse. You know, there's on an ad-needed basis. So to me, it's it's a great, you know, just-in-time system throughout the supply chain and more cost-effective. To sell those bejeweled <laughs> right. flip flops, sustainable, sustainable flip flops, flip flops, and, and it's and you and it's kind of an honest broker. It's not somebody with an agenda that is you know might. There's a lot of people that are you know not. I, I wouldn't say disreputable. There's people out there that may not have the best interest of this you know mom and pop flip flop company at heart, and you know that with UPS you're getting somebody that's a trusted. Interesting Resort. brand, we hope. I think that that's a valid point. So uh, I guess our best suggestion is go find 
organizations that legitimately are looking to help you. Now, certainly we do believe that we are the best in the business when it comes to logistics and supply chain solutions, but we know that there are other partners out there. So we bring in other solutions that may not have been readily available to you. So we have partners that help our customers create revenue. Um, Although I am a marketer, this is not my company's core. We don't sell marketing products. We sell transportation logistics. But guess what? We have contacts because we can leverage our assets, if you will, mm-hmm. to bring in other partners. So whether it's, you know, the net elixirs of the world or search engine optimization companies, we can, we have mechanisms by which we provide those to our customers so that they have another third party they can trust to go to to develop what they need to develop. So if it's not what you want from UPS directly in terms of moving package to, from A to B or putting it on a boat, you know, coming in from China as your source, we still have other things that you can leverage from us is the point. If we've done our job well, we walk away from some of these conversations with businesses saying, hey, I didn't know UPS could help me figure that out. Right, but from a marketing standpoint, that must be frustrating because you want them to know all the stuff that you offer, (laughs) right? It's a double-edged sword. Someday, someday. But, you know, and I don't want to wax, you know, philosophical, but I think as I started the conversation and Deborah and I, you know, take this to heart, there is something very compelling and something very rewarding about finding a way to have, you know, any business be able to find greater strength and growth. Would I love them to be a diehard UPS user? Absolutely. But you know what? At the same time, if I've found a way to make them happy, they'll eventually come back and have right. a conversation with us or they'll advocate for us in another way indirectly. And, sure. and I can live with that because I think that that's a positive way for us to look at diversity and inclusion as well. Well, and it's also a way of paying it forward, right? Mm-hmm. And and so it always comes back or circles back to you. And women are loyal. You know, they're loyal to those corporations and companies that support them. So I think, you know, having this um, information. So when I, what I might take away from this just now is basically, you know, UPS is also in the business of growing other businesses, right? And marketing that as well of saying, you know, we are looking at you in totality, not just as a shipping customer. Right. Our partnerships are with, you know, companies as suppliers to UPS, as customers of UPS. I mean, at some point, even if you're not doing business with us right now, we hire a lot of people as well. And so having those business relationships and and helping grow the businesses that are strengthening the communities that we're in, provides us, you know, better access to really qualified employees who can help us continue to to do the work that we do. It's mutually beneficial to see, again, economic uplift by small and medium businesses. So even the big companies out there, I think more and more frequently are recognizing this um, and doing something about it. So we're, we're not just talking about it anymore. I think we're actually putting practical solutions out there in a more direct and more intentional way that we have in the past. Now, are you seeing more and more companies kind of take the leap into exporting? Like, is that something, a trend that you're seeing more and more of, or, or is it flat? Like, what, where is it right now? The export market is on the rise in general, and I say that over probably a five- or seven-year period. With that said, the last year and a half has been a little, a little bit rough. of a challenge, a to rough. say the least. What um, do you think could have contributed <laughs> to that? There's a lot of conversations, obviously, about the, the globalization and trade and certainly policies. Um, so the, the short answer is I think we're seeing a little bit of a dip in, in because there's some concerns about what that really looks like. And mm-hmm. not telling everybody on the radio what they you know already know, but 
when you're when you're trying to make your margins hold true and, and as tight as you can and all of a sudden you have a supplier who's got to pay a very different tax scenario than they used to because the policies have changed in whatever direction by whatever right. country. It's a major impact to you. So companies like us are at least aware of that. So we are starting to see more conversations about how, how do I export to the right market? So again, some of the, some of the support we give is, although this might be a lucrative market, maybe this is not the time, perhaps right, the find another might. one. And the inbound is just as important to look at. So as more and more companies, regardless of size, are sourcing outside of the U.S. because it's smart to do, it's economically viable to do, some of that is closing a little bit and tightening. And a, a company who's thinking about it is always trying to be flexible about where they can find those suppliers too. So some of the things that the U.S. Commercial Services does as well, and we help where we can, is if your supplier base outside of the U.S. is kind of dried up for cost reasons, where else can you go? Where is another viable supplier to you, maybe in another market that's not currently having the same policy change or, or tax scenario. Um, and having that flexibility to figure out how to do that is, is really critical to keep a company alive. And the, the uncertainty is what small business, they, they don't like uncertainty. You know, everybody wants as much, you know, kind of understanding the lay of the land as possible. And when it's turbulent, it just makes it difficult. Indeed. Indeed, we I think all businesses face that, you know, whether it's in fuel prices that, right. that we're seeing these days. I mean, when you fly a fleet that's, you know, as big as ours, 13th largest in the in the globe. Yeah, you, you don't like the uncertainty. You pay attention <laughs> right. to all kinds of right. uncertainty. So it's not missed on companies like ours that when you put it down to the micro levels, too, that it's highly impactful for um, continuity. Right. And people don't realize kind of when one domino falls, kind of the ramifications of that, you know, four dominoes away from that. Absolutely right. It's 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 trying to predict and plan for that too. Um, we often talk about you know if you don't plan and you don't forecast and you don't measure it, then obviously you're not going to move the mark where you need to. But in a in a time of uncertainty, it really gets even more complicated to forecast. So having abilities to see what is going on in your business is also important. Um, so if you know if I can take this just along that path for a second. We are big at UPS about data and we are big about dashboards. We talk about them all the time. I'm sure many of you guys out there have thought about your business dashboards too. And it all comes down to the data that you have that drives that so that you can as close to real time see the impacts that are happening to you and therefore be able to pivot and, and move as quickly as you can. And in the supply chain, that's really critical, especially when we come to trade and we come to you know fuel prices and everything else. It's how do you know what's about to hit you as a small business? If you can see that even a day or two in advance, you can adjust for it. Mm -hmm. You can't fix the past. So dashboards and tools that are available to you, you should seek out. And again, where we can help, we're happy to try and build those with you. Now, a company that's thinking about exporting, is that something that if they partner with UPS, they have access to some of those tools for themselves so they don't have to go and invest and create these kind of tools for themselves and Absolutely. their export business. Absolutely. And it, it, what we've just launched in the last few months after a lot of years of learning with our consumers, we have something that we call um, My Choice for, for Consumers is where it started and it was giving them visibility. Hopefully many people have used that. Um, but we've now advanced that into the B2B world. So it's My Choice for Business and it does. It allows you to see real time what's coming into you how that's coming in. It helps you to figure out your inventories and maybe your finances relative to your ordering process. And then it figures out with you your outbound um, and where that's going to play. 
And if we close this whole circle on e-commerce, most of most companies have to have a solution of returns of some kind. And if you have that ability, you can you can see what's coming your way and going out and the whole full circle. That's an easy downloadable program by UPS. It's a simple registration, my choice for business. See if it works for you. Um, it's ready and available. Well, you know, I really don't think, you know, I'm a proponent of not reinventing the wheel. And when you have resources such as UPS, you know, and granted, you know, the listening audience, yes, you have other options out there. But why not make sure you're focusing on what's core to your business and leave the that type of information to the experts who do this day in and day out and partner with them on that? And how do we encourage more small businesses to utilize these products and services? Right. That's that's what we like to say, right? Let us be the trade compliance and customs experts so you don't have to be. You know, you're you're running your business every day. You're doing business development. You're training your people, you're hiring your people, you're looking for suppliers. Let us, you know, solve those complicated problems for you. Um one of the ways that we're helping small businesses to explore their export opportunities and if they're already doing it, get better at it, get more efficient at it is through a series of workshops. I don't know if you want to talk about uh, the one that we have coming up soon. You mentioned it just a bit earlier in the beginning. Um, but we're putting together a, a growth workshop for small businesses. And this is one of the workshops that we've done in, in several parts of the country. Um, but we're particularly fond of our Atlanta area partners in the GWBC, <laughs> GWBC. So we have the honor of hosting this group at our, our beautiful corporate offices. So it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. It's Friday, October 18th. It's um, 930 in the morning until 330 in the afternoon. And this is intended to be a growth workshop for those businesses who have a, a product that they're interested in exporting. And so the, the agenda is broader than exporting. Um, it's going to include facilitated sessions with our subject matter experts on knowing your customer, finding the right marketplace partner, understanding your supply chain, and also gaining access to capital. So in addition to getting to spend some time with with our subject matter experts and to ask your questions and to network with one another, um, I think you'll also find that you'll get to spend the day with a whole lot of really great people. Now, are these first-time exporters? Are they veteran? Like, what, who's invited? You can, yep, you can be what we call the the accidental exporter, right? You got a, an order on your website, and all of a sudden, you're trying to figure out how to ship to Mexico. Does that happen? That must happen. Oh, all it the happens time. all the time. Mm-hmm. It happens really? all the time. So what do they do? That because that's the thing. They call about, you, don't they? <laughs> they like, call they muddle, they muddle through. If you get lucky, it's a good experience for you and your customer. More often than not, it's a little bumpy for you and your customer. Um, and that's an area where we can help you get more intentional about preparing yourself to be able to do that, to accept orders, but also be more intentional about marketing. Because well. that's the in this online world, and you have a website and you sell something, and the internet is the world. So anybody can access it from anywhere and then they go to your website and they're from another country and they're like, send me your widget. And you're like, huh? Like, we're, <laughs> Now what do I do? Yeah. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times you, we find that companies say no, they have to turn oh, it down because no? they say no, because they don't yeah. know what to do. Mm-hmm. Wow. You have another set to Deborah's point who will try and maybe they don't know how to fill out the customs document properly. So the product gets stuck. Right. Or gets returned back to the U.S. And so not only did you spend a lot of money to get it there, your customer didn't and even get mad. it. Right. And then they're mad and they've gone someplace else. 
So what Deborah's trying to describe too is this, this is an opportunity for those to take that surprise moment out of the small, medium business so that when they see that order from Mexico, they're like, yes, now we know what to do. And even if it's not an intentional marketing campaign for them, at least they can respond in a way that still keeps their revenue and their right. profit moving. But we are glad to support anybody who's, you know, moving up from that phase too and right. is wanting to be in more intentional about this and find more markets and actually create growth strategies around it. Right. So you're not the accidental exporter. Correct. Exactly. Accidents yeah. happen, but you <laughs> right. try the next Just time to, to, plan to, for to, it. to keep them from but being detrimental. Isn't it ironic, though? They have a website. I guess they don't think like this is the world. Like they think their website is just for them or the people around them. But it's the world. Every time you put something out there, the world can find it. And then so it it's just is surprising that if they would do some sort of an online marketplace, they would think like, oh, no one's going to order it from outside of the country. Like it wouldn't. So they would be surprised, but I guess that happens. It does happen. And, and some companies will, you know, be intentional in saying on their site, you know, we can't ship outside of the U.S. because they haven't figured out how to do it. Maybe it's they haven't figured right. out how to do it cost effectively or how to ship their products to protect them or how to get them there in a timely manner. And these are all things that we can help businesses who are just starting to think about this do and people who are already doing it do it better and more efficiently. Right. Cause that's a clue. Like if somebody from outside the country wants your stuff that you know, it's hard to get customers. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's so, hard to get, so, so you get a customer outside, it's like, Hey, there might be other ones out there too. Well, and especially I talk a lot about this when I meet with women owned businesses and other diverse, actually all small businesses, quite candidly is where do I find more companies or customers who want to buy my things? And how do I compete with the big guys out there who are, mm -hmm. you know, dominating in lots of ways because they can, how do I compete with that? Well, one of those pieces, as we would argue, is don't miss out on a market that's right. untapped for you right. first and foremost. So, you know, it may not be in your backyard anymore. It may be someplace overseas. Right. Well, we just said, right, 95% of the population is outside of the U.S., not inside the U.S. So it would almost behoove uh, small businesses to really seriously consider and think about, especially with online capabilities of how do you target that customer outside of the U.S. And customers outside of the U.S. want to buy products from U.S. companies. We're known for the quality of our products. Mm -hmm. We're known for the, the uniqueness of our products. Right. But we're also known for creating products that are going to be healthy and safe and sustainably produced. And that's very appealing to, to consumers outside the U.S. and, and businesses outside the U.S. Now, Especially a growing millennial market outside the U.S. Right. too, because that 95% includes an awful lot of younger people who, to Deborah's point, have um, different views on what's the value proposition of a product these days. And it may be more than the actual product itself. It may be all the other pieces surrounding it. So there's markets to be to be explored. Now, Roz, um, we kind of promoted this episode throughout social media and we have somebody from the audience, I think, that has asked yes. a question because they knew that some some gurus of exporting were going to be in the room here today. Yes, we do. Um, and this is coming um, off of Facebook. And this is one of the questions from Julie Weldon. And that is, what are some of the pitfalls to be aware of in exporting? And it's actually a two-part question. And what are some of the tactical steps or tools, resources, a business owner can take use when considering exporting. 
I know a really great workshop you can come to. <laughs> but she's outside. We got the pleasure to interview her at the pop event, and uh, she she's outside of uh, Georgia, but she should come because it's open to everybody. It's just a short jaunt from it's North just, Carolina. Right. We're, we're gladly down, welcome down, our, down our, our we're gladly have them come into. Right. This is not exclusive. Peer, but, peer pressure for her. But in answer to her her broader question, unless I'm sorry, Deborah, were you? In answer to a broader question, some of the pitfalls, I think we've covered a few of them, but just to kind of reemphasize a few of them. Number one, knowing whether or not your product is legally viable for another country is, I think, one of the key points first. Um, and again, using sources like the U.S. Commercial Services to confirm that. We find that sometimes, you know, with all the, the, the goodness that happens online, people stumble into some things that cause them longer term challenges when they send something they shouldn't be. And then the other pitfall is once you know that you can do it, it's how do you do it? And there are smarter ways to do it because you can avoid duty and taxes. It's, you do not want to do that. None of us want to, to see that happen because it's a bad customer experience across the board. The product doesn't get where it's supposed to be. You get charged more. There's fees that can be involved, et cetera. So learning about these things up front is the smartest thing that you can do to mitigate all of those risks as you, as you think about exporting because the pitfalls um, on a tactical level can happen really quickly. Long-term strategies about, you know, actually figuring out how far you want to grow and how you want to create new sales opportunities and warehousing and things like that are much larger conversations. But again, there's resources like WeConnect who can take companies who are ready to go do those things as well. And this is one of those things where these are some unknowns for this you know, these people that have never done it before and it sounds like there's a lot or it's hard or there's penalty, like there could be fear around it. But once you have some trusted partners and you kind of get your systems down, then it's just normal business. You know, there's a learning curve, but once you get through it, the payoff could be huge. It should be huge. And and again, you're right. Like anything, you've got to dabble and learn a little bit right. and maybe revert and fix and then go forward. But with the right solutions, with the right support, you can certainly get through all and any of that pain. Most companies who are growing faster, and in fact, um, we show that women who women businesses who are exporting are actually they produce higher than women businesses who don't. Okay, they hire more people than women businesses who don't because they're growing faster. They provide higher wages for their employees when they do this. So there's a there's again a halo effect of forcing yourself to learn what you need to learn because it is, again, it hopefully suits not only your growth objectives, but it also hopes supports maybe your, your principles of what you want to be as an economic stimulator too. Right. And the payoff is so high that it's a, the risk reward is so in the favor of reward for taking the leap. I think it just go for it. Go for it. You don't have to go by yourself. Right. Come with us. <laughs> we'll be okay. Or, or go with somebody again. There's, there's, there's other support factors out there that, that will take this from being something daunting to something that is sometimes really fun. Right. You get to open up a new communication with people around the globe. Around the world, right. And they give you new insights as to, you know, what they want to see from you. And, and I, I got to imagine that with the creative people that we've got on the phone and who want to do new things and in innovation, it, it isn't just limited to the U.S. market by any stretch. Well, you would almost, you know, the question is to... You know, how much education, you know, will you need to have about these other countries and knowing what's happening in there? Because there's so many things that can impact, you know, 
you know, your, your business when it comes to exporting. And I know we've been talking about exporting, but even importing, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, Deborah, what, you know, what happens or what is it that I need to mm-hmm. know as a business owner or how far, you know, or do I, can I just rely, you know, on my transportation partner? You know, you, you need to do your research, right? So this is not an area where you want to fly by the seat of your pants, right? You want, you want to plan in order to be successful. Um, when I've worked with small businesses who are kind of looking at taking the first steps, I always recommend going to export.gov. They have some really fantastic tools that I mentioned before. Um, one of the tools that I really like is the, uh, it's called the market diversification tool that I mentioned earlier. That's your starting point for thinking about, okay, you know what? I'm going to look at Canada, Mexico, and Australia. Well, then you can find market guides specific to each of those countries that then will help you dig into what the rules and regulations are and what the barriers might be and, and what the considerations would be for your product. Um, and then it just helps you create that very intentional pathway and strategy to say, this is what I'm, this is what I'm going to do next and how I'm going to go about doing it. And it helps you avoid some of those pitfalls. And then each, no matter what the person is selling, uh, there's going to be different kind of challenges associated, right? Like, so an apparel company might have a different challenge than a manufacturing company that might have a different challenge than a high tech company, right? Like there's mm-hmm. different rules and different kind of pitfalls that each one of those provide. But when you go to those kind of governmental resources or UPS, you can kind of help them stay within the line, lanes of, of whatever it is. Correct. Whatever compliance is right. necessary. Because they're is. all different, right? They can be very different. Um, I think with the amount of emphasis that, that we've placed over the years on learning more about the total industries and what's happening in there, we monitor the trends, you know, whether it's healthcare or high tech and the subsegments below them. You know, what is actually um, going to be an advantage for companies as they trade and what's going to be the disadvantages or what's going to be the challenges and the changes? And to the degree that we can, we bring those forward to our customers, we're doing a better and better job of forecasting them ourselves so that we can be that consultant, if you want to think about that, to our own customers to say, watch out for this. This is coming your way. So even if you started down a path and you feel really comfortable, things change, right? Right. So watching the politics, watching, watching the physical side. I mean, for goodness sakes, even watching weather, you wouldn't maybe believe it. And if anybody ever comes to Louisville to visit us at UPS, mm-hmm. we'll show you our huge meteorological society that we have in there. <laughs> because you got to imagine when you're moving, you know, aircraft and, and you got to know vehicles, where the hurricane you got to know where the hurricanes are coming and how you, how you continue to do it. And mm-hmm. maybe some of you in different places have even seen our package cars and the flights still moving when others aren't. And that's because we know how to, how to work the network. Well, same thing happens in small businesses. Predictability, figuring out what you can you can identify ahead of time is far smarter. Um, so you have consultants, you have um, advisors through UPS who help to do that by industry, by geo, um, and by product to some degree. Now, Roz, um, having relationships with UPS and these other corporate uh, partners that you have really gives the small to mid-sized business owner, the members of GWBC, kind of a leg up. It's almost, you know, kind of secret weapons to help them grow. It is. And, you know, more importantly, you know, even though you're small, and and these are for, I would say, the women businesses um, who are certified through our organization, and I'm going to put in a plug, we offer a discount on the shipping that is available. So you may not be that large corporate customer for UPS, 
but it still doesn't mean you can't take advantage and utilize how you increase your gross margin, right? On your products or services that you're shipping. And so we encourage, you know, you to do that. And that's one of the reasons, you know, when we were talking about this subject and knowing that this was coming up, that we wanted to expand this opportunity for people to get more insight as to what all that UPS does. And granted, they market themselves as logistics, but what does that mean? Because that's right. so broad, mm-hmm. right? Because right, if you're a flip-flop company, like what does, you know, how does that pertain, you know? But then mm-hmm. you realize it pertains in lots of ways that you may not have even uh, uh, guessed could occur. And then once you have conversations, then all of a sudden that leads to more and more opportunity. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, if you think about it, we're always shipping. Right. You know, whether it's for it's business. It's coming to you or going or for, away from you. Uh, from personal, right. <laughs> we're always moving a product somewhere, you know, and of course the holidays are coming up. And so that is just going to be overload. I love it when they give this the last day that <laughs> right. you're going to be able to ship. <laughs> if you want it, if there. You want it there on Christmas Day, right? You know, or any of those holidays, you got to realize that you do have to plan ahead in order to get that, you know, and that's a supply chain effect as well. But I think more importantly, I've learned so much more on the inside of what they do, what they offer. And I think that to me is the broader message of all the tools and resources that you as a small business don't have to have, but it's an, you know, it's a plethora of opportunities for you to gain that assistance in order to move that product outside of the U.S. To the over ninety five percent population, and to the rest of the world, you know. So, cement, yes, your customer here in the U.S., but also think about and plan of how you can gain additional customers. Right, it's a big world out there, and think big, aim high, right? It is. Well, you know, I also would say it's generative, right? If you think about it, you know, Kat mentioned earlier, you know, we talk about millennials and how they are cause driven and looking, you know, to be more engaged, but their online buying is, you know, is growing. Of course, that's a market. Well, guess what? It has to get to me, right? So it's not that I'm going in the store and picking up, but even then they got to ship the product. Mm -hmm. They got to even get it to the stores. So, I just think that's an opportunity there as well for them to look at how do they utilize a company like UPS to help improve um, their shipping um, to their customers. A really quick, short thing that can be done by anybody is take the time, take 10 or 15 minutes in, in your business and get a piece of paper in front of you as best as you can, draw the globe, draw the U.S. where you want it to be and, and the other countries around the world and just map out, we call it supply chain map, just map out how your products are created, how they move, how your customers need to return them, and then overlay on top of the physical movement. Think about the information that you need. So how do you think about the information from your suppliers to your customers and then back around? And then how, quite honestly, does the money move? If you think about just those three things in your supply chain, goods, funds, and information, and you draw it out on a piece of paper, you're going to find places where you've got weak spots. And and as you do that, you can solve for them. And so that kind of mapping session you can do on your own, or again, we have we have people who can certainly help to do that, including Deborah and myself. And you can come do it at the workshop on October 18th. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Final plug. When is that workshop again? Uh, that would be Friday, October 18th. At? 
UPS. Uh, at UPS. Yeah. Headquarters. And, and there'll be more information available about that and, and how to register on the GWBC website very shortly. So be looking out for that. And that's one of those things where the opportunity is there. It's there for you to take if you want it. And there's information and people who want to help you, you know, be successful. So, I mean, it's silly not to at least explore it at, at the minimum. And earlier you mentioned that the analytics on your website can give you some clues. Like if there's a lot of people from another country hitting your website, you may want to consider trying to sell them something, right? <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> So now, Roz, uh, if somebody wanted to learn more about GWBC, some of the events like this, what's the coordinates? Well, we always encourage you to visit our website at gwbc.biz. And more importantly, go to our calendar page, because on our calendar page, it's going to show you some of the events or programs that we will be hosting, such as the one that's on October 18th, (laughs) right? The UPS on exporting. But if you know, whatever you have on your schedule, if you can move it, I would encourage you to change it and come to this event. We also have another event that's coming up on Monday. Cash is Queen. Once again, we want to talk about and really deep diving into those financials for you because that is key. That is important. In other words, you got to have cash flow in order to be able to export those products or services, the, you know, export those products. So that, and more importantly, along with aside from your other homework that you just got from Kat of looking at a global map and outlining that supply chain effect. And, you know, you mentioned something else, you know, tied to this cash is queen is currency. So that might be another segment that, you know, Lee, we need to talk about about is learn about the type of currency because that also will impact your bottom line. And then um, a shout out and thanks to Julie Walden for her question and uh, be on the lookout for the GWBC Facebook page because as soon as we have the topics for next month, there's going to be an opportunity to ask questions of the guests so that you can get your question answered here on the show. Thank you all for sharing your story today. Thank you very much, Lee, and Business Radio X for helping us out. Roz, always a pleasure. And thank, thank you, Roz. You. Yeah. You have any words of wisdom for our crew out there? I do. I always have my parting <laughs> thoughts, right? <laughs> and my parting thought for today is ignoring online marketing is like opening a business but not telling anyone. So keep that in mind. And that's anonymous, actually. So I can't even give that's you. credit. So you said right. it. As we, Roz always says. As Roz always says. You know, and he you, quoted 1,500 times, times a day. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully we've gotten someone really fired up today about wanting to figure out how, how they can export. So we've got the workshop available to you. I also want to give you our, our email address so that you can contact us if there's something that Kat and I can do for you to help you think about what is your next best step. Up, please reach out to us. It's diversitygrowth at ups.com. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to connect with you and, and help you figure out what that next step is. And the website for UPS to for is it just UPS.com? UPS.com and but can, go to the Knowledge Center in particular. The Knowledge Center has a whole bunch of resources. Agreed. Good stuff. Thank you again for putting this together, Roz. GWBC Radio is so important to serving the community. And thank you, Lee and Stone. We love the partnership. All right. This is Lee Cantor for Stone Payton, Roz Lewis, and all our guests here today. We will see you all next time on GWBC Radio.